So it became probably one of the most important awards uh, in its category uh, given in Poland. I actually think, and I only say this about Poles because I think I can say it about Canadians as well, which is Poles are neither as terrible or as great as they sometimes think they are. And I think I can say that about Canadians too. This is really quite simple. I contact English boarding schools that can offer board and food as well as school and ask if they would be willing to give a 100% bursary to an outstanding student from Poland from a, let's say, moderately circumstanced family. Poland, uh, things that come to mind, not a whole lot, no. Probably not a whole lot. Uh, Polish sausages? No, I don't know anything about that country. Poland? Sausages. <laughs> Pierogies? Is that it? We hope it's not. That's what we're going to try to show you. I'm Małgorzata Bonikowska. And I'm Tomek Kniat. Welcome to the 55th episode of Polcast. This will be a special episode of Polcast. In fact, all you're going to hear, except for my comments in between, was recorded during my visit to Poland in June. It was a wonderful and unexpected visit. One day in May, the phone rang and I was informed that I had won a prestigious journalistic award the Maciej Płażyński Award for my work on Polcast. So, of course, I traveled to Poland. As always, when I visit Warsaw, the city where I was born, raised, and where I lived and worked until my one-year contract in Canada, which turned out to be a lifelong permanent choice, it feels like coming home, and it is always a very emotional and sentimental journey. But before I share with you some of those moments, let's start with my visit to the Press Club Poland in Warsaw. The Press Club Poland is the founder of this annual award together with Jakub Płażyński, a son of late Maciej Płażyński. I visited the club after the elegant award gala which took place in Gdynia at the Museum of Emigration. I treat this award, as I said in my acceptance speech, as an expression of appreciation for Polcast, so I share the honor with my Polcast partner, Tomek Kniat, whom I thank for coming up with the idea and for two years of great work together. Polcast, we're happy to inform you, now reaches listeners in 113 countries. In Gdynia, it was so great to meet many people from the press club, to meet Jakub Płażyński and his mother, to give some interviews, and see, after several years, Joanna Sokołowska-Gwistka, the author of Culture Avenue, a high-quality online magazine about Polish culture around the world, for which she received the Maciej Płażyński distinction. Joanna used to live in Toronto, worked with us at Gazeta, and now lives in Austin, Texas. We're still collaborating, and we're still in contact, but our reunion in Gdynia was really special. Anyway, when I visited the press club Poland Beautiful Premises in Warsaw, I interviewed Jarosław Wodarczyk, who chairs the organization. What's the purpose of the press club? As all over the world, press clubs are dedicated not to represent journalists, but to represent the values of journalism. So we are guards of journalist values as well as platform for the discussion, for initiating public debates. And also in Poland, in recent times, we are very much involved in the protection of freedom of speech, as well as uh, support uh, of journalists in, in the profession. We are also for uh, professional standards. So everything what is connected with journalism, with access to information, with press freedom, but we do not have the will or the power or the goal to represent journalists. This is for unions, for syndicates, and, and we are a club. And uh, this is the tradition over 150 years all over the world. One of the things you do is you organize an annual award, which is called Maciej Płażyński Award. 
This is one of the awards we are we are doing, but this one is dedicated to internal relations uh, of Poland, especially Polish diaspora all over the world. So there are four categories: foreign journalists writing about Poland or Polish diaspora, uh, Polish journalists reporting the topics of Polonia of Polish diaspora, Polish diaspora press or media. And the category uh, where you uh, are the, the winner, the category of the Polish diaspora journalist reporting about Poland, diaspora, or about the country where it exists. So there are four categories. The award is organized. Uh, that was the seventh time we, we did it. It's annual award by name of uh, Maciej Płażyński, who was the Speaker of Senate, a uh, very prominent polit Polish politician, and uh, he died in the in the plane crash with Polish president in Smolensk. And uh, he was also the the chief of the Wspólnota Polska, so we can say the Polish Community Association, the organization umbrella organization uh, gathering all Polish diaspora organizations all over the world. And he was the leader of it, the president of that organization for many years. And uh, the beginning of Polish Press Club 10 years ago was that our first uh, uh, club premises were in the building in the palace of uh, Wspólnota Polska in Warsaw. He knew most of the journalists as well, our members, because he was uh, a very popular Polish politician. And we, he was coming many times to the club for the meetings and saying how important it is to, to sustain the connection between Polish diaspora and Poles in Poland. And one of the best solutions for sustaining that connection is education and media. And he was very for Polish media. He was organizing a lot of programs to support them as a speaker of Senate and after that uh, in that uh, organization. And after his, uh, his sudden death, we decided why not to award Polish media all over the world or journalists reporting about Pol Poland and Polish diaspora, about Polonia. We got in contact with, with family. Uh, we are very happy that... Uh, uh, municipalities of uh, Gdańsk, Gdynia, and Sopot, as well as uh, of the of the region of Pomerania region, uh, from the very beginning were very enthusiastic about it. They financially support it every year, so it's absolutely not political award. And also, they were very smart uh, to do it in this way that they are in the board of the award. The, the, the mayors of the cities and the marshal of Pomerania, but the jury is only professional, uh, recruited by press club, and we do not have any even municipality representants uh, in the jury. Jury is fully professional, which is making the award valuable and important because on, it's it's a financial award on one hand. Secondly, it's uh, selected by the professional jury, and now after the seventh edition, we can we can say we've got brilliant former years laureates, which is making really prestigious to be among these laureates. So it became probably one of the most important awards uh, in its category uh, given in Poland. What made you give me the award? What made you give the award to Polcast? <laughs> Few things. First. That's, it is in English. So it's not close to Poles living abroad who are limited by access to Polish language. And there are hundreds of thousands, if not millions of Poles living abroad who are not speaking Polish. In South America, a huge uh, diaspora in Brazil, also in the US, UK, Australia, you name it. So... <clears throat> That's one thing that the, the project of podcast is unique, and because it's in English, it's not very common in, in Polish diaspora media. So it's accessible, available to everybody all over the world. The second thing is that the topics you uh, talk about 
it's not only close to the very internal diaspora issues, but it's promoting uh, very universal topics and it's interesting because you are journalists, not amateur journalists, which that is making very professional uh, result. It's universal, uh, both language and topics, and it's very professionally done. Thank you so much. Thank you, and congratulations. Thank you so much. Thank you for the award. We're happy that Polcast got its first one in Poland. This is number four for us. We got two in Canada and one in Austria. Next door to the press club Poland is our Canadian embassy. It's a tradition that every time I visit Warsaw, I interviewed Canada's ambassador to Poland. Now the embassy is waiting for its new ambassador to arrive, so this time I had a great pleasure to meet and talk to Jeremy Wallace, chargé d'affaires, who is now the acting chief diplomat there. His Polish is quite impressive, and he is very passionate and enthusiastic about his mission. He presented me with three interesting books on Canada, which we feature in more detail on our podcast website, mypodcast.com. One of them, Poles in the Canadian Mosaic, 150 Years of History, is a beautiful book in three languages, English, French, and Polish, which accompanied an exhibit under the same title, organized by the Canadian Embassy and the Museum of Emigration. Yes, the one that I had just visited to celebrate the 150th anniversary of the Canadian Confederation. This is my conversation with Jeremy Wallace. Can you talk about it just in yeah, about yeah. the book itself? Of course, of course. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it tells the story, uh, can I say it in Polish? Yes. Książka mówi o historii Polacy w Kanadzie. Oczywiście i Polacy przyczynili się bardzo do rozwoju uh, Canada. There we go. There's my, there's my quick. Um, so this was a sample yeah. of incredible Polish no, 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 no. that has I know. been mastered and, and, in one and a half years. And, uh, well, yeah. I have to say it was a good project that I inherited mm-hmm. from my predecessor, um, and of course the the exhibit in Gdynia was great. And then, as I understand it, they said, oh, and we're going to put together a catalog, which we, I think, interpreted as a brochure. And so, well, that's nice, you know. Uh, but then uh, we saw, I mean, as you know, it's a beautiful coffee table book. Um, so it is quite a bit more than we realized it would be. And we got some, some copies of it. We purchased some copies because we've used it as a... As, um, Conversation starter with some of our our key uh, contacts, both political and otherwise, in uh, in Warsaw. So what I found interesting about well the book and basically what I've learned in the almost two years here is um, well many things about Polish immigration to Canada, but the contribution of, of Poles to Canada is it's you know it's not just one wave. You know there there are many different waves, different strata of society, different places in Canada, and the different types of contributions. So you know, so from before Canada was even Canada. So I found that a neat thing to say uh, because some people in Poland have a generally well pretty much hundred percent almost 100% positive view of Canada, even if they don't necessarily know a lot about Canada. But to be able to say to them, and you know, Poles came to Canada even before Canada was Canada. And then you can point to specific figures like Kazimierz Gzowski, a member of the Polish nobility, if I understand correctly, came to what is now Ontario before Canada was Canada, building bridges, building railways, so quite literally building Canada. Exactly. So, and then, you know, then there's all these great stories that and we're hoping to promote them this year. Um, we'll have an exhibit, we hope, uh, that talks about Niagara on, on the lake. We're uh, at Camp Kościusz, Kościuszko, Kościuszko yeah. in 1916, where we trained ethnic Poles, uh, who then joined uh, Haller's army and then fought for an independent Poland. That's a great story for, for us to tell. And of course, we fought uh, together in the Second World War. And you know there was immigration to Canada between the two world wars after the Second World War in the 80s. Uh, but as I say, going back even before Canada was Canada, and that's the part that comes out um, in as book. well in, in, in the book. And I mean, just on the personal side, um, although I've been told that not everybody 
uh, is like me and grew up in a, in a home when the CBC radio was on all the time, but many Canadians do. And there was a ubiquitous voice, if I can say that, which was out of, uh, Kazimierz Gzowski's great grandson, Piotr Gzowski, otherwise known as Peter Zowski. And I thought to myself, oh wow, should I have known that he was a Polish Canadian? Of course he was, uh, but also it's a very the Canadian. Unpronounceable name. Well, yeah, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, and, but Canadians would probably be vaguely aware that he would come from this part of the world and not know. And in a way, that's a very Canadian thing, is to actually not even think about where is this person from. Mm. And I think it's a particularly neat story with uh, Peter Zosky because he was known as Mr. Canada or Captain Canada. He made it sort of his life's work uh, to be working and telling the story of Canadians from all the different parts of the country. So I find it kind of a neat thing, mm. I think, to tell Poles, you know, this descendant of a Polish... Uh, engineer who has a school named after him in Napole, uh, as, as you probably know, and that I was, I had the pleasure of visiting earlier this year because they're celebrating the 70th anniversary, uh, that, you know, he, he was an iconic figure of Canada. And, and so there isn't sort of, you know, Canada's over here and the Poles came over at some point. The, the Poles literally built the country along with many other ethnic groups. I think so, part yeah. of the problem, a little bit of a problem with all these exhibits and books is that they, Talk only about those who are very well known from the past, mm. you know. But exactly that's what we try to do in our podcast is to show that there are incredible people now living in Canada mm -hmm. doing amazing things that not many people know about, you know. Because I think that, that, that should be the next step in my opinion. That's right. why we do that. Because, Fair you enough. know, I'm a little tired of, I mean, I'm not talking about Zosky, but yeah, some yeah, yeah. other names. You know, it's always the same people. It's always yeah, the yeah. same people, but we should move on. And, you know, when you look closer into Canadian mosaic and you see how yeah. many incredible polls there are, what they do, it's quite overwhelming. I, I agree with you. And mm -hmm. what uh, what came to mind recently when, well, Canada wasn't super successful in the last hockey Olympics, but we had, uh, but it was one thing that I discovered. Alex Kopacz. Yeah, yeah. I interviewed yeah. him. To, to, to see that there's Polish Alex Canadians playing. Uh, Canada yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. You've been here for almost two years. Yeah. What has struck you in Poland? Is there anything that is different from what you were expecting? Yeah, so it's interesting because um, on a previous posting, I'd been to Brussels and I'd been able to travel around the region. And I'd been to a lot of, I'd been to the Baltics, I'd been uh, to the Balkans, I'd been to Ukraine. I hadn't actually been to to, to, to Poland, uh, but I I had a pretty good sense of what it would be like. Um, I had the, the, the pleasure of working in Ottawa for a former ambassador of Canada to, to, to Poland. Uh, and of course, he was full of praise about what a great posting it is. I was a big fan growing up of Chopin. I played the piano and I, and when I finally got good enough, my, my piano teacher gave me uh, Chopin to play. You know, she said, finally, you've been Chopinizing all your pieces up until now. Now you actually get to play Chopin. So I was aware of the culture. I was aware of the history, of course, including the tragic uh, history. Um, and but you know what you don't know uh, is you know the what you know necessarily nature is like or what the weather is like and and I know that Poles will complain about the weather but when I arrived less than two years ago I was riding my bicycle to work to the embassy every day uh, using the very good bicycle infrastructure so I wouldn't have assumed that um, and uh, it was it seemed to be sunny for six weeks uh, without uh, interruption I I was saying to people back in Canada, you know, I really like the weather in Warsaw, which, you know, people would think is sort of the last thing you're going to talk about. They say, have you been to the museums? Where have you, you know, the other thing I'd say is I find the food delicious. I find that the, there's a lot of, I don't know, care or pride or whatever put into meal preparation. Um, I found the variety uh, very, very impressive. So some basic things like that yeah. I enjoyed. And I wonder if I can say this, I, I've, because I've been asked tough questions like, you know, what's your favorite thing about Poland? What's your least favorite thing about Poland? And what's your favorite thing about Canada and your least favorite thing about Canada? <laughs> and I've come up with, I think, a clever answer, but it's probably not as clever as I think it is. I actually think, and I only say this about Poles because I think I can say it about Canadians as well, which is Poles are neither as terrible or as great as they sometimes think they are. And I think I can say that about Canadians too, because sometimes, sometimes you can have a combination of a superiority complex and an inferiority complex. And I now I've seen that in at least two countries. I mean, and as a, as a, as a Canadian here with a, um, 
as as a diplomat, there's many advantages, and so I recognize it's not you know the life of your 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 average person, but I found the quality of living uh, for for me uh, extremely high, and I mean I almost feel guilty because there's so much goodwill in general for Canada, um, and so serving as a diplomat, you're already you know you're already standing on something very positive, and then what you can try to do is just you know. Uh, continue to build that, uh, and so I think on the last, mm-hmm. with the help of the staff who've directed me in various ways, and sometimes I've pushed back and I've said, you know, well, what about this? So can I give an example? I'm told, and I know which artists or which musical artists are well known here, and so Leonard Cohen is is at the top of the list. I uh, I grew up listening to my dad play Gordon Lightfoot on the guitar, and so. When, when, uh, a certain staff member says, you know, uh, give them, uh, Leonard Cohen and we've got some Leonard Cohen CDs and people will be very happy and it'd be meaningful. And I say, what about Gordon Lightfoot? And the response is, who? And I say, well, maybe it's my mission. <laughs> and this is the kind of thing you only live once. And as a diplomat, I've, I've tried a few things. I went down to Krakow, which is a pretty happening place, the University of Jagiellonian there. And they said, come down and talk to us talk to us about Canadian culture or whatever. I said, hey, can I come down and sing a Gordon Lightfoot song? And they said, sure. And it was a, it was a success. There was even a PhD student there who then tweeted it. And he said something like, you know, oh, this is, this is really wonderful. I've always wanted to hear this song by Gordon Lightfoot sung live. So maybe... But you do a lot of outreach, right? You do a lot I, of promotion of Canada. Um, in what form? Is it mostly lectures and meetings with people? Well, and building on what you know, predecessors have done, and, and when, uh, when I first arrived um, and I was head of the political section and um, kind of as a tag team in tandem with then Ambassador DeBoer, we'd try to hit as many uh, universities where we have um, a Polish Association of Canadian Studies uh, professors. Oh, Those seem like a, a natural ally to us, uh, a natural network we don't have um, uh, consulates in different, you know, we're, we're, we're here in Warsaw. The ideal outreach is, uh, maybe there's a component where we give a lecture at the university and we talk about either Canadian multiculturalism or our experience with immigration, uh, or just, uh, in general, Canada today. In the south of Poland, we've got a number of, of, uh, Canadian companies and investors and maybe there's a connection, uh, that we can make uh, on the trade side as well in terms of trade promotion. And then, you know, maybe, uh, there's an opportunity to support a, a visiting Canadian artist. Uh, actually, and one other one that I've done more of now as I've been stepping in as, as acting head of mission as Chargé d'Affaires for the last several months is is joining with our, our defense attaché, um, especially in the fall and November, as you can imagine, uh, commemorating a number of, um, of events. I mean, and there too has been an education for me to see the Commonwealth uh, cemetery in Krakow to have local school children come out as part of an initiative that was started by a group in Canada, No Stone Left Alone. Imagine how I feel as the one of the local principals of uh, elementary school brings 20, 30 odd kids to come and sing O Canada to read in Flanders Fields. So that's pretty special. Uh, but, you know, and then other cemeteries. And I take your point, the, the story of Canada-Poland relations is more than just the past. At the same time, even someone like me, who would like to think that I know a fair bit about history, I've learned a lot about real connections that we had. You know, Monte Cassino, you're aware of it at one level, but then you, you, you learn more and you realize, okay, over 800 Canadian soldiers died in an attempt to take that position. And uh, ultimately, the Poles were successful in, an, in, in, in a subsequent attempt and, you know, buried not far from the Canadians, over a thousand Poles. These are, these are huge yeah. numbers. You know, from a Canadian perspective, you're vaguely aware that we work with allies and everything, but you don't know, you don't know the specifics. And that's very real. And we have veterans still to this day who can tell us about, yeah. about that. But I, 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 um, I agree that, uh, this is why I like one of the things that I, when I talk on, on security matters, and I was recently in Bidgosh at the joint, um, uh, forces training center, NATO center, where we have some Canadians uh, serving, uh, to to know and to talk about our long uh, history of, of military cooperation together, and then to be able to say, and more recently, Canada has stepped up. We had soldiers rotating in Poland. We're working in Latvia now, uh, which was a response from from the Polish government and others in the run up to the NATO summit in 2016. And and Polish soldiers are with us in in Latvia. So it, it's it's as a diplomat, it's very good. To have such a good story to, to tell, we don't 
can't always, um, but here in this part of the world where Canada has stepped up, uh, it shows uh, our cooperation multilaterally, but also uh, directly with with Poland. So I feel that a good chunk of my of my job is doing this PR, highlighting these these ties that but not and necessarily you find a lot of interest, right? And well, yeah, it, yes, it resonates. With well, and and uh, some at least. yeah, well, and and I mean, universities are a particularly good place to go because I, I talk about I, I, I'm able to talk about Canada. Um, and, uh, you know, other issues more, more broadly. Of course, some students are interested in, or, or some have traveled to Canada, or some may be interested in, in studying, uh, in, in Canada. People are interested in Canada-U.S. relations, you know, so uh, the U.S. is a very important partner for Poland. So, uh, an ideal outreach is where we're somehow able to combine all of the, all of the elements, um, that we promote here at the Embassy of Canada. We've got a mid-sized but good-sized embassy here. We also cover relations with, uh, with Belarus. So we, uh, increasingly try to have our program managed Managers travel there and 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 promote you know for example uh, burgeoning or increasing trade ties. Uh, so when is the ambassador coming? Well, I I believe that uh, everything is in place for an ambassador to to come in the summer as part of the regular rotation. I, I think. So when what will you be then? Doing? Ah yes, well then I then I retreat into my previous role. <laughs> That's what I said to people. It was already the best job I'd ever had in my life and the best assignment I've ever had in the Department of Foreign Affairs was being the head of the political section here. I got an extra treat being able to uh, act as charge and I like to think I've made the most of it. All the best to Jeremy Wallace, congrats on the preface to the book as well, and his great assistant Agnieszka Magiera, who has worked tirelessly to promote Canada and Poland for many, many years. We at Polcast count on the fruitful collaboration with Canada's embassy in Warsaw, as we have so many common goals. interviews and meetings, I had a chance to be a bit of a tourist in my home city and hear and record for you some sounds from Warsaw. Walking through the beautiful old town, I experienced something that was a great surprise for me. How come I hadn't heard about it? At 11.15, in front of the royal castle, I heard this music played on the trumpet three times from the second floor of the beautiful castle building. talked about the Krakow Heinau, the iconic St. Mary's trumpet call, played every day at noon for over six centuries? Well, the Warsaw trumpet call, Heinau Warszawski, is a lot younger. It became a daily event in 1995 as a way of commemorating all the Poles who died in defense of the city, mostly during the Second World War. Why at 11.15? Well, just 17 days after the German Nazi invasion from the West, on September 17, 1939, the Soviets attacked Poland from the East with 4,000 tanks, 1,800 planes and 2 million troops. On that same day, the Germans bombed Warsaw. Many historic buildings were destroyed and many people died. At 11 o'clock, the royal castle began to burn. And at 11.15, the castle clock stopped, and the call, Warsaw Heinau, is played every day at 11.15. And just next door, on the Sunday just before my departure for Canada, I had another special experience. An Anglican Church of Poland Mass in English at the Res Sacra Miser Chapel. What a friendly and caring congregation. You can sense the closeness of the people, the beautiful spirituality, and the care for each individual. After the Mass, they don't just leave. They come together for coffee and cakes to talk more. It was great to meet Reverend David Brown, who is a very special and truly inspirational spirit of the group.
Warsaw is a city where you can hear many languages. It's full of tourists who love its great architecture, parks, fresh fruits and veggies, hundreds of good restaurants, and, well, this is really true, beautiful women. Of course, the history is everywhere. Savizia eh, algo della eh, della storia dell'architettura, eh, luego della de, de cattedrale. Luego os recomiendo entrar para ver lo que es de adentro de la historia. Decimos que de adentro es más espectacular que por fuera y de verdad vale la pena. Siempre es gratis, pues se puede entrar sin eh, sin comprar los billetes, sin avisar. Eh, todo el tiempo está abierto hasta anochecer. On the streets of Warsaw, you hear many languages and see people of different races. On my third day, in the underpass in downtown Warsaw, I met these two nice girls wearing hijabs. I was really curious about their experience of Poland. Okay, so what is your name? Sadet. Sadet, where yeah. are you from? I'm from Turkey. Okay, and your name? Zeynep. Okay, so you're both from Turkey. Now let's talk about what you do in Poland. Uh, it's my third year. Uh, I'm studying university mm -hmm. management. Mm -hmm. What about you? Uh, it's my second year. I'm studying English philology here. Yes. So, do you speak any Polish? Trocheczka. Yeah, I mean, like, we learn for uh, communicate some basic words. We learn in streets. Like, in streets, we have Polish. We used to work here, like, in some restaurant. We are studying and we are working. Yeah. Yeah. What kind of jobs? Washing the dishes or a waiter. Student stuffs. Yeah, Student stuffs. Right. Yeah. What kind of restaurants? Like your ethnic restaurants or Polish restaurants? A cafe of the university. What about you? You're in the same place? Uh, no, I mean, I was in a kebab place, uh, but it was Turkish place, so yeah. Okay, so is there a lot, are there lots of Turks in Poland? It was not two years, three, three years ago, mm -hmm. but uh, nowadays it is really common. You can see lots of Turkish people and here. Do you guys keep together? There is a community? Yes, we uh, it's uh, Ramadan, you know, of Muslims. We just came from, uh, from the meeting. Mm -hmm. We were like 50 or 60 persons. What do you think about Poland? Do you feel you're both wearing hijabs and you're both Muslims? And how do you feel? We feel okay, but we had some problems, like, I mean, like, my other friends feel danger sometimes, uh, especially when they are go out after 9 o'clock or 10 o'clock, because uh, in Poland, like, people drink a lot, and after 9 and 10 o'clock, uh, those uh, drunk people may uh, act some kind of different, uh, different situations. I mean, sometimes uh, they are trying to take our scarves and I mean they are acting like come and make cross our bodies. Mm -hmm. Yesterday it happened some guys like they are teenagers they said in Poland uh, it's illegal to wear a hijab like what are you doing here and we are always trying to explain. We smile we, we don't say anything bad. We had a friend, uh, she was Turkish, but she doesn't wear a hijab, but uh, those, uh, I don't know, one Polish guy came and... Uh, with a knife? With a knife, and he made a cross on her body, yes. told her that, like, uh, it's impossible, you are Muslim and you are living here, we and are not accepting... to the police or to the cops, I will kill you, something like this. We really like uh, Warsaw, actually, yeah. the, this city. Uh, sometimes we, we feel like free, mm -hmm. but sometimes it's dangerous. Sometimes it's dangerous, because really. Because Polish people want, only Polish people will it's live in Poland. really homogen country. And the media, of course, they are just seeing on the media the Muslims, they are uh, known as a terrorist. That's why they are uh, have always question in their minds and they, ha they want to ask. If they come and, come and ask some questions, we are really open persons and we are really understandable and we, we have to explain. Do you have any Polish friends? Yeah, of course, of course we have. We are studying with Polish people, so we have lots of Polish people. And you like your studies? You like the university? You like where you're studying? Yes. Yeah, it's kind of good place. I mean, Poland is good for students. We are not in Eurozone, so it's... Right. Uh, so do you get grants or scholarships? I mean, no, we tried, but it was really difficult for foreign people to get scholarship. You have to pay. Yeah, we have to pay. And is it more expensive than it is in your country? I was born in Belgium. I have uh, the citizenship of Europe. That's why I don't pay too much. Right. I have a Turkish citizenship and... I mean, it's uh, approximately 2,500 
to 4,000 uh, euros. So it's more expensive here than it is back home? or No, here it's, it's cheaper. cheaper. cheaper so for. what do you like the most? What is real good about Poland or so? We feel free. We, learn. <laughs> we can do everything, whatever we want. We learn how to stand on our legs without our family. Every student feels free without their families. And we are teenagers, we like nightlife, that's why we can go to bars? I mean, no, we are not drinking, but we want to see what's in the nightclub. We, several times we went and we, with our friends just to look. With the Polish friends? Yes, or Polish or some other. International. International. Yeah, international. Yeah. And Poland gives a lot of experiences for us. Yeah. So we like Poland, we like Polish people. I hope like in next year or after the next year, Polish people can more be understandable to the Muslims or to the every foreign peoples. I hope it will be good. Coming back to Warsaw after a year meant getting together with some of the people I had met earlier and being able to discuss some old and new projects. On Polecast, we have featured two amazing dynamic Poles who make things happen like few others. Since the time we first met, they have become good friends and collaborators. Grzegorz Nawrocki, a journalist and sought-after host of big events, is the president of the British Alumni Society, the BAS. And Joanna Kulik runs the Young Talent Management. The goal of this special team is to activate young talented Poles, involve them in interesting initiatives to help them to get admitted as students to top mostly British universities. There is a third link in this chain, Marzena Reich, whom I had briefly met last year in Warsaw and this time had a chance to get to know more. Marzena helps to place Polish teenagers in prestigious British boarding schools, which is also very useful if they want to continue their education in British universities. The trio work with our young podcast collaborators, Great Poles, who we promote on podcast and who present a segment in each of our episodes. Here is my conversation with Marzena Reich. What you're doing in life is trying to make life wonderful for young people and make it possible for them to study in Britain. How does this whole system work? Uh, this is really quite simple. I contact English boarding schools that can offer board and food as well as school and ask if they would be willing to give a 100% bursary to an outstanding student from Poland from a, let's say, moderately circumstanced family. Mm -hmm. That is, a child from not very well of family who does extremely well at school and shows promise in many other fields. Many schools actually agree and are happy to say that yes, we will accept such a student. This is for two years because in the British system, the final period before university applications, the so-called sixth form, lasts two years. So when I have a collection of such offers, together with British Alumni Society, under whose auspices I actually work, uh, we advertise this scholarship opportunity. We direct interested young people to our website where they will find all the necessary forms to fill in. So when they apply, the selection committee has their own procedure for evaluating of those applications and the top 30 receive invitation to the actual interview and in the interview also take part the headmasters of the schools that will be hosting them in the UK and together we work out who we want to nominate for the scholarships of the year. When they go through the interviews, the, the ones that the headmasters uh, attend, do they get accepted right away? Yes. Uh, the decisions have to be made on the spot because this is the moment when the entire selection committee is there. Plus, we always have a reserve list. So if anything happens, that is one of our nominees does not want to accept the place, which can happen, we immediately have an agreed person to take her his place. 
How many schools do you work with in, in the UK? This year we have passed the magic three digits. We now have 109 scholars at various stages of education. That would be 30 people now at schools, about 50 plus at universities, and the final 15 are nominated this April, awaiting their departure. So you're talking universities, which means that there is more than just the high school. What we envisaged when we became involved in this was exactly that that very clever young people should be able to first attend the secondary school and then preferably some excellent university in the world. Typically it will be UK and very many go to Oxford, Cambridge, Imperial College, St Andrews, Durham and other top-class universities. Some go to other countries because excellent universities are now springing up in several European countries, but sometimes to very uh, exotic places like Abu Dhabi or Hong Kong, which has a very famous uh, economic university. So we have a student there. Not very many to USA, I must say, typically for financial reasons. A few got accepted, but were unable to sort out the, the finance question and had to give up. But the ones who get accepted at those universities, I'm not talking about secondary schools, but post-secondary education, you also arrange for them to have the whole cost of their studies, everything covered? No. However, the ingenious, the brilliant aspect of our scheme is that if they apply from the UK as students of British schools, they stand a much higher chance of discovering uh, various sources of financial support, not least because of the network of other students who've been there before. So what we do is when they go through schooling, we encourage as much interaction as possible. We totally want them to network, to pool knowledge and resources, so it's not 109 separate individuals. I hope I may say it is a community of 100 people who have been taught to support each other. What happens when they graduate? Do they keep in touch? Is there in like an alumni society? From schools? No, from universities, because probably from schools they continue their education under your auspices, right? We do not have very many who already graduated from universities. We have some, and those few do keep in touch very faithfully. Of course, that may also be due to the fact that when they started, there were still very few graduates of the program, so they had very close ties to everybody. Um, I have to keep thinking of projects and ideas to keep everybody together. And for instance, last November, we had a visit at the Polish Embassy in London, where we organized the first general meeting of all the students within the system. That, by the way, was the launch of the Great Poles website. Otherwise, uh, we do invite everybody, for instance, at Christmas, when there is BAS Christmas party, at the embassy. We always try to involve them in every scholarship round so they come and help as hosts and hostesses while we are interviewing the newest lot. The day before, on Friday, because the interviews always take place Saturdays, Sundays, and on Fridays, the British ambassadors typically give the reception for the visiting heads and all our scholars are then invited to come. So that's another networking opportunity. Also, ideas such as European Financial Congress. This year I will have, I think, about seven of our former students attending. So this is all different occasions when they can meet, exchange ideas on the next level, I would say. So for instance, on the 21st of June, 
There will be a conference in Warsaw called Blockchain Next, entirely organized by our scholars with some help from their friends and acquaintances. I find this an absolutely terrific development. This is exactly what I was hoping for when starting. Yes, what is it going to be on? Applications of blockchain away from the pseudo-currencies. What are other applications of blockchain in medicine, education, law, administration, and other fields? Where do these um, young people come from, the ones who go for those two years to these uh, British schools? Interestingly, from all Poland, some come from top schools, excellent schools, where they have heard about this often via people who, who were there before. But equally, students from very remote villages who are very ambitious and are therefore searching long and wide for such opportunities. And if they are persistent, they will find us via internet. Do you find enough support? Do you find, for example, interest in the media? Do you have partners that help you uh, spread the word about this amazing program? We have one or two partners. I would start with Oxford University Press, who I think is on our main institutional partner that does a very valuable thing because they do mailings which cover thousands of Polish secondary schools. Also very valuable partnership with the British Council that, uh, let's say, shares our adverts on their websites, which increases our visibility. Other than that, I think it would be hard to name useful partnerships because I think this whole idea to many people seems too exotic. They just do not understand it, why such young teenagers should be sent away from their home country, especially that everybody imagines Polish schools are the best. <laughs> so why should anybody take the children away from those fantastic opportunities and send them to England where again general knowledge is that English schools are just not good enough. But this knowledge is really based on the situation in state schools and let's say in certain regions, in very poverty-stricken regions, where yes indeed it may happen that in the entire classroom not very many children even speak correct English. The Ministry of Education, I would say, ignores us and we are very grateful. The last thing I want is interference from educational authorities. As to commercial partners, we do not have any because we focus on secondary school age group, not university students. But we have a reason for that. With the universities, we would never be able to arrange 100% bursaries, sight unseen, while with boarding schools it has proved possible. So we do work with secondary schools. This is like side entrance, really, because in the end they will also end up in the main academic system. We started in 2010 with two places in just one school, Atcott School for Girls, and now there are about a dozen schools that cooperate regularly with us. And this year we are offering 15 places. So there's been, there's been development. I was very happy with many ways in which this project developed because believe me, the students who become nominees often come from such underprivileged regions and from such poor, if ambitious, families that it gives one very special kind of joy to see that at least on this minimal scale some justice <laughs> may be done and others also see that it can happen so maybe Maybe they lose this very hard negativity that so many young people in Poland grow up with. Because this is something undisputable. Someone was good enough, brave enough, applied, got results. 
So this is a very contagious example. And talking about great Poles, our collaborators from Poland, the young history buffs who have created the website Great Poles PL under the auspices of the British Alumni Society and the Young Talent Management, I met the whole young team in Warsaw. We had some good discussions, and I suggested that they record a special segment. This time, not about a famous poll, but about themselves, so that our listeners get to know them a little more. Hello, everybody. This is Barbara Cargill again with another segment of Great Polls um, in Pollcast. And today we're going to try something a little bit different. Um, I'm here with almost the whole Great Polls team, uh, the people who work behind the screen. And we're going to tell you a little bit more about the project and how everything works. And also a little bit about ourselves, because I guess you don't know really anything about me. And so... My name is Barbara, as you probably know. Uh, I'm 16 years old, and here in Poland I've just graduated from middle school, and um, I'm going to start a new chapter of my life soon. Other than that, I am really into old hard classical rock. I love ACDC, Queen, and The Doors are probably three of my favorite bands. And um, I actually am a person who has a lot of interests. I play the clarinet and also I'm working on learning the guitar and I speak seven languages. Um, (laughs) Not fluently. Fluently I can only speak three languages unfortunately but yeah that's probably everything about me that's interesting. Oh for 12 years of my life I've lived abroad so This is my fourth year living in Poland. (laughs) Yeah. The next member of the team is Alicia. Um, Hello, I'm Alicia Stompur. I'm 18 years old. Um, I've just finished uh, high school here in Warsaw when I was learning English, history and Latin on an extended level. Um, I'm planning to study liberal arts at King's College London. My adventure with Great Post um, started around November last year. First, I was an author, and now I am external relation officer. The articles I'm writing uh, for the Great Post um, are based on uh, on artists uh, from from Poland. That's because I'm interested in um, in art and culture. The next member of the team is Mateusz. My name is Mateusz Giraudo. Um, I'm Italian, born in Poland, and uh, currently I'm uh, in uh, high school. I'm doing my uh, international baccalaureate, and I'm planning to study uh, abroad. I've joined Great Poles last year. Um, And the last member of the team that we have today is Kuba. He also was previously featured in Polcast. Hi, my name is Kuba, and yes, I was in Polcast around November last year. Uh, At the beginning of my uh, adventure with the project, which began last summer, I was writing articles, basically. I've written around 10 of them, and then I was transferred to work with authors. I'm also really interested in movies. I love playing basketball, reading books, writing books. Last week I've graduated from second class of high school and I'm also thinking about studying abroad in London or in Paris. Now we're going to just talk about the project. So the funny thing is that actually Great Polls, I think, brought us together in a sense because I don't think I would have ever spoken to a person who has graduated, like, literally, and is going probably abroad to study abroad through this project. So that's, I think, that's the beauty of this project as well is not only that we're educating other people about Great Polls, but also we're bringing people together in a sense of working together and um, meeting new people. I think that's absolutely true and I think also the really great thing about the project is that we're learning how to work in a group, how to um, communicate with each other. Yeah. Um, that's really demanding. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> how did you guys learn about this project and join it? So basically for me it was by chance totally. So uh, first of all I was uh, attending a discussion club and all of a sudden, the discussion shifted to, to the topic of, of the Great Poles. I 
was so fascinated about the the initiative that I decided that it would be a very fulfilling experience for me. That's that's how I joined. What was the biggest thing you have taken away from this experience, Alicia? So um, in my case, I think um, it was all about learning how to work in a team, team uh, full of uh, people similar to my age. I've learned um, much about uh, communication with each other and um, co-working somehow. So I think that's the most important skill for me that I learned through the project so far. I've learned two things. First was when I've been writing articles. It is a self-discipline. Then I realized that it is really, really hard to put together a team of people who will work as they previously stated that they will. We're all learning all the time, I guess. There is like no, no, not a thing that we've learned something and, oh, it stops, we know everything, I think. Throughout the project, we're, we're just learning all the time. Don't forget to check out our website, gridpulse.pl. Till next time. Bye. Bye. I am so happy I visited Warsaw again. It brings a lot of memories every time I go there. It's a beautiful, beautiful city. Very interesting, full of incredible places. Very cosmopolitan, very open to people. And I hope all of you will travel there one day. Thank you, all my friends, the new ones and the old ones. And remember, we are coming back with our podcast and maybe in person as well. And at the end, a very brief conversation with Polish-Canadian filmmaker Rafał Sokołowski, an award-winning film and theater director whose short films have been shown worldwide. He's a graduate of the National Theatre School of Canada and currently an assistant professor of film at Ohio University. Rafał talks about 22 Chaser, which is his feature debut, and is inviting us to see this film in Toronto this summer. You started in Toronto and then you moved to the States. We're not going to talk about your whole life because we're going to do a separate interview. But I just want you to tell our listeners about this incredible thing that's coming up, the premiere of your debut feature, right? Tell us what the film is all about. Yes. So the film is called 22 Chaser. And it is indeed my uh, directorial feature debut. And um, it's starring Brian J. Smith, um, a wonderful actor that you may know from Sense8, the latest Bachowski series, or a whole bunch of other really brilliant um, actors. And the film is coming out in theaters uh, on the 6th of July in Carlton Cinema. In Toronto. Um, the actual schedule will appear on the Carlton Cinema's website. What the film is about is, uh, in a nutshell, about a, a desperate tow truck driver but also a young father who's inspired by the birth of his son to be and teach his son the ideal. And he moves his family to a new place, such as Toronto, and tries to be the best father that he can. And in the process, um, gets collided with, you know, all sorts of a slew of practical things that get against him. And slowly, unfortunately, um, is forced to start giving up on some of these ideals until... Um, well, until he um, hits the bottom and uh, we're kind of watching, what is he going to do next? Is he going to remain the kind of father that he wanted to be and preserve his family? Or is something terrible going to happen and challenge all of this? And I don't want to reveal anything more than this. And the film is very much about what happens to us under pressure, that we are just, you know, making these mistakes over and over and create paths that lead us to silly places and you know hopefully the audience will watch this and recognize a little bit of themselves and then you've got his exciting world which is the world of tow truck drivers which is divided into two blocks there are these proper bylaws who tow away you know illegally parked car and there are this other darker bunch that chase accidents and find a way to 
milk human tragedy and arrive at an accident and, you know, pull every last penny from a person in distress. And and it's a whole network that involves clinics and chop shops and mechanics and insurances. It's a fascinating world that he, this, this character, taps into and becomes this king of the road. But I've heard amazing stories about the film because there was a, some sort of show uh, before the actual premiere in the in the springtime, right? During the Canadian National Film Day, and it was really beautifully received, and I had amazing conversations with people after the screening. And um, since then, it's been picked up uh, by uh, Level Film to do a distribution in Canada, XYZ to do a distribution in States and C Red Sea Media for the world markets. So it, it's, it seems to be uh, doing really well. Where could it be seen after the premiere? Well, the film is going to play at Carlton Cinema for a while. How long it's going to be uh, on the screen, it really depends on you and your listeners. If you guys are keep, up, keep on coming and enjoying the film, it's going to stay at Carlton, hopefully for the rest of the summer. And so I, you know, and I'm going to be there pretty much uh, attending most of the screening. So if you attend one of those, uh, please do stop by, look for me. I'm going to be there somewhere in the audience and I would love to say hello and thank you for, for being being there. But then the film is going to be at video for on demand, from what I understand, right? Correct. So on July 17th, the film will appear on video on demand on platforms such as um, iTunes and Amazon Prime and what have you. Um, I will provide more information about how to access and stream the film from those platforms, but it will be available for anybody who could not catch it on a big screen to watch it uh, at their homes. Having said that, it's a kind of film that really benefits from being seen on a big screen. So I really hopefully that people will come out and see it there with a full sound and, and big image. It's fun. Right. So we wish you the best of luck on Friday. We're coming to see the film and we hope that the distribution will also be extremely successful. All the best. Thank you very much. You've been listening to the 55th episode of Polcast. Polcast is created, recorded and produced in Toronto by Małgorzata Bonikowska and Tomek Kniat. For a lot of additional information, multimedia, links, please visit our website at mypolcast.com. And while you're there, please share your comments, your reactions and suggest ideas. If you know of any interesting story that we should cover on our podcast, please let us know. And if you like what you heard, please share it with your friends. And don't forget to rate this episode on your favorite podcast app. Well, this has been a really special episode. Uh, remember when we were together in Warsaw about a year ago? Yeah, we... just over a year ago, yeah. Well, maybe we should go there again next year. I think we should. And who knows, because of those plans, we may go together again. Well, we'll have a special episode every year then. That would be wonderful. We anyway, just need more awards. Mm -hmm. we, so, say it again. We just, need, we just need more awards. That's right. We need more awards. How about an award from an exotic tropical country? Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> oh, maybe we'll do another podcast. <laughs> Who knows? Anyway, we always end with some music. Today, it will be a very brief piece of a song I recorded while in Poland. The night of the award gala in Gdynia, our hosts from the press club Poland invited us to a show at Gdynia's famous music theater. It was a beautifully staged and very moving show based on the songs of Jacek Kaczmarski, an iconic solidarity bard, poet and singer who authored the lyrics of numerous songs which we all sang before Poland became a free democratic country. I still remember and sing them today. I think we all do.
And this is the same song sung by Jacek Kaczmarski himself. Thank you for listening to Polcast. Każdy twój wyrok przyjmę twardy przed mocą twoją się ukorzę. Ale chroń mnie, Panie, od pogardy przed nienawiścią strzeż mnie, Boże. Tak, tyś jest niezmierzony dół.